You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Oh, well, hello and welcome back to your 10th favorite podcast, Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Actually, it's probably not your 10th favorite podcast. That's still putting it pretty high. Let's see. How many podcasts do we think there are? I'm going to Google this in real time. How many podcasts are there globally? Um, isn't technology great? I can just find out whatever I want right now. Oh my lord. Some statistics are saying there's 2 million podcasts out there and 48 million episodes as of April 2021. Yeah, all right. So it's a big swing to say I'm your 10th favorite podcast, but that's what we're going with. That's what we're going to brand with. Everybody's 10th favorite podcast. A little exciting news up front that um, I will dive into a little deeper during my pink cloud is that I just recorded my first uh, podcast guest episode where I was a guest on someone else's podcast and it was so much fun. I'm really excited for it to come out. I'm nervous because it's a big podcast and (laughs) you know nothing like a really uh, visible podcast as your first one but I'm really really excited and I feel very honored that I was asked Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in my pink cloud but that's what I've been up to so yeah didn't release an episode on Monday for the the 30 of the 30 dedicated of you that that download every week I see you I love you I appreciate you and so we're releasing this on Saturday and then there will be one on Monday so if you're like oh my god I cannot get enough sobriety I wish I had it on Saturday and then like two days later, well, guess what? This is a great week for you because tomorrow, Sunday, then Monday, brand new episode, baby. All right, now that we're done counting the days of the week, I must confess, this may come as a shock. I'm a hypochondriac. What? What? You who talked about having serious anxiety disorders and as a child being literally afraid of everything, you are also afraid of getting medical conditions and diseases and illnesses yes yes i am since childhood uh, though ironically i will say um the time when sort of collectively the world became a hypochondriac for a a, a real purpose aka covid this is the most relaxed i've been in terms of medical stuff in my whole life it's like i did a, a reverse uno is that the correct use of reverse uno whatever i'm, I'm not googling it i'm no linguist Linguini. (laughs) I'm no linguist. That's correct, right? I, you know those days where you're like, every single thing you say and you think you question it, (laughs) such as me? I'm having, it's one of those days where I keep saying phrases and like sayings and words and and everything I'm even spelling. I'm like, is this all fake? Am I making all of these things up? What recesses of my brain am I uncovering these things? I'm no linguist. I'm no linguini expert. Oh, you guys, this is going to be a this is going to be a chaotic episode. I can already tell. I don't know what's happening. I no, I do know what's happening. I think I just got a lot of excitement this week. I went on the podcast. Um, I had a TikTok blow up and go viral. That's it. But both of those things were really exciting, so now my brain is scrambled. Speaking of scrambled brains, uh yeah, I think I have spent more of my life thinking I am sick than than not. I was the little kid that 
you know, was like, mom, my stomach hurts. Do I have cancer? Um, I went to, I remember going to, (laughs) I mean, this is so embarrassing now in retrospect, but in college, I was walking to class and my eye started hurting, like really, like something obviously got into my eye and my eye was hurting so much. My eyes were starting to tear. You know, I had my, I had makeup on. I was like going to class. I'm cry, I've cried off all my makeup. My eye is burning. My eye is in so much pain. Like I can't, it literally hurts so much. And I go to the bathroom and I'm looking in the mirror and I'm trying to like, look, I'm trying to wash it out. Nothing's, nothing's helping. And I, I'm like, oh my God, something has just scratched my cornea like some you know like I I have to go to the doctor right now like I have to go to the UCLA Medical Center because um there's a good chance that I'm about to go blind that's my thought process so I like I walk into my class and I'm like I'm having a medical emergency I I I have to leave and my professor's like okay so I go over I walk over to the UCLA Medical Center and I'm like I don't have an appointment but like my eye whatever whatever I said so they go and they're like looking in my eye and he puts um he puts uh like a like dye like dye into the eye that I guess they're able to see if there's a scratch it's I don't know some medical thing so that they can kind of see what's going on so he like puts this little eyedropper into my eye <laughs> and he like bends back my um my eyelid and as he does that all of a sudden the pain is completely gone and I'm like oh it's Oh, it's fine now. What 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 happened? What'd you do? And he goes, "Oh, well, when I flipped back your eyelid, there was an eyelash, and then the eyelash popped out." I was like, "Oh, so sorry." So my medical emergency that I was convinced was about to make my ass blind was an eyelash. Was a was a was an eyelash in my eye. And the the doctor was so sweet. I was like really embarrassed. And he's like, "It's he's like, hey, it's a foreign object in your eye. Like it's painful. It's uncomfortable." And I'm just like, "Mm hmm." Meanwhile, I was so embarrassed that when I ended up going back to class, I told everyone that, yeah, I just had a, scra- I had a scratched cornea. Like, I just straight up lied. I was just like, yeah, mm, yeah, no, yeah, I'm going to have to start wearing an eye patch while it heals. I one time, I, w- I remember vividly my pediatrician one time being like, here's my prescription for you. Here's my diagnosis. Stop going on WebMD. And you know what? I understand that that would have probably been better for me. But when you are a child with crippling anxiety and you have a random pain in your left leg, yes, you're gonna go on WebMD. Uh, and this was more when I was like in my preteen teens. I, I, would, I don't think I was Googling symptoms as a child child. But no, then I would just sit up late at night and be like, well, I guess I'm just going to die tonight. Like, obviously, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not, those are probably not normal thoughts for like a seven-year-old to have, to just sit in bed and be like, well, if I close my eyes tonight, I may never open them again because I, I know tonight is the night I'm going to die. Oh, anxiety. It's so fun. It's so fun how um, sometimes it exists for no reason. I mean, biologically, it does exist for a reason. But when you have an anxiety disorder and everything's all, you know, irregular and dysregulated, what's the word I'm looking for? Unregulated and your body is just like danger, 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 danger at all times, even when there's no danger. It's not so fun. I also think a lot of my... um, medical anxiety came from the fact that 
yes, I, I, I naturally had anxiety disorders and I, I naturally struggled with that and, and um, was just fearful of a lot of things. My mom also had, you know, she struggled with chronic illnesses and, and I saw her, um, I saw her dealing with health problems as a young woman and, and dealing with pain and dealing with things that were sort of, quote unquote, not normal for someone her age because, yeah, she had these chronic illnesses. And then my dad was much older than my mom. So even though he was healthy, you know, there was a fear of him perhaps dying. And unfortunately, that is something that did happen. He did die young. He was, my dad was like in his 60s. Um, but I was only 16. And so I think those those two things of like having an older parent and then having a chronically ill parent and seeing her go through all of her medical tests and going to the hospital and seeing all of the medications she has to take. So those two things, plus just my the natural brain chemistry of me being so anxious and you know, almost like an over overactive imagination. I was constantly creating stories about everything. And a lot of times those stories were to my detriment because I was creating like scary stories and bad stories and bad scenarios about things that were going to happen to me and things that were clearly happening to me in that exact moment. It's a lot, (laughs) you know, it's a lot. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, no shit. No wonder I started drinking later on. I'm surprised I didn't drink in high school. But again, I was so paranoid. I was so anxious that I didn't. And it's a weird, it's actually kind of this weird cognitive dissonance where for so much of my life, I would become convinced that I had cancer. You know, I have I have uh, stomach issues, as every Jewish woman I know does. Every so often I'd be like, well, I, I definitely have cancer, even though it's like, no, you just ate cheese and you know you're lactose intolerant. So <laughs> that's the more likely culprit in this situation. But I think when I started to drink, you know, after I was 21 and then I, you know, start to drink more and more, it did, obviously, it lowers your inhibitions. It quote unquote relaxes you. I mean, we, we know that actually it, it, it spikes your, um, it spikes your cortisol. It does a lot of things that aren't actually relaxing. But, you know, in the moment, you're flooded with these, these good feeling chemicals. You're not as anxious about things. That's why people with social anxiety sometimes are the people who can have alcohol use um, disorder. And so, you know, it's like I started dream- I started drinking. I started actually doing the thing that was going to fuck with my health and drinking so much and in such quantities that it's like, oh, you're so concerned about cancer. I've spent all my life being so afraid that I have cancer, going to the doctor for anything, having like a pimple and going to the doctor and being like, is this sepsis? And they're like, no, it's a pimple. You know, is this a staph infection? No, it's a freckle you've always had. Are you sure it's not cancer? Yeah, no, it's not cancer. You just have you're just having some acid reflux right now. Which I will say, I, ha- I have had digestive like issues. I have acid reflux. I had it as a young child. But then it's a chicken and an egg scenario too, where it's like, oh, maybe I made some of those things, those digestive things, because the digestive system is so connected to the brain and our emotions and our anxieties. It's like, yeah, I probably almost like made those things. I'm sure I had genetic predispositions to those things. But then as such a nervous kid, yeah, it's no wonder that I was like constantly feeling like I was going to shit my pants. Well, if you spend half the day convinced you have every illness in the book, you probably are going to shit your pants. I think that's just 
that's just how it works, you know? The body can only handle so much before it shits itself. In some ways, it's almost like I've always been so aware, too aware of my own mortality. And I've said this before, a big reason that I didn't drink and I didn't party as a teenager and I didn't experiment with drugs is because I figured bad things could happen to me and I could die. And I've just, I've always sort of, I've always had this idea that the body is so fragile and sort of that invincibility con concept that teenagers tend to have and even kids. I've just like never, ever had that. And I just had this feeling, oh, if I drink, like it's going to be bad for me. And guess what? You should have stuck with that intuition, girl. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty. Alcohol is not good for you, Ari. But but I felt that way about so many things. I felt that with with anything. And and it wasn't just health related. It was, you know, roller coasters. I, I talked about this in my in my generalized anxiety disorder episode where I talked about some of my childhood uh, fears and, and, you know, quirks, if you will. But I think, yeah, there's the, I'm just, I've always been very aware that I'm going to die one day and it's, it's, there's such a fear there and there's such an, it's interesting because we are the only animals that are aware of our own mortality and, and in some ways isn't everything that we're doing kind of like fighting back against that, these, you know, uh, finding our hobbies, finding our passions in life, we're, we're, we're distracting ourselves from like the inevitable. And it's weird too, because even when I would be really depressed and I would be going through a depressive episode where I would maybe be having suicidal ideation, while I never, I, it, was, it was never like I wanted to kill myself, it definitely was I don't want to exist anymore and I don't want to live anymore. But at the same time, I still had all of this medical anxiety and this hypochondria stuff. So there I'd be depressed being like, I don't want to live anymore. But then I'd feel like a lump in my boob and be like, oh my God, I have breast cancer. And then immediately make a doctor appointment and be like, please biopsy this, please. It's time for me to start doing mammograms. And they're like, um, what are you talking about? That's just the way your boob feels. And I'm like, are you sure? They're like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I thought I felt a lump. That means I'm also always the friend that people go to and they ask random medical questions, even though I am not qualified and I'm not a doctor, though I will pretend to be one and I will give a medical diagnosis. My best friend growing up, she doesn't like going to the doctor. I mean, I'm a weirdo and I like it. I think that I I, I I just, I find a sense of comfort in going. I want all the tests. I want everything run. Like, I want to know. And so I have even the smallest problem and I'm there at the doctor like, hey, just checking this out. Um, my friend is not like that. My best friend um, doesn't like the doctor, doesn't like needles, doesn't like tests, would usually rather kind of push something away. All throughout our friendship, she would text me something and be like, hey, I'm having shortness of breath. What do you think it is? And then I answer as if I have a fucking MD. I've convinced myself that I've spent enough time on WebMD that I do have an honorary one. This year and last year, I have definitely calmed down, which is weird considering there was an actual pandemic. But I think a lot of it has to do with getting sober because I am sort of forced to take things day by day. And when my drinking really escalated and towards the end there, I was so not in my own body, I wouldn't have been able to, I didn't have room to be a hypochondriac because I wasn't even in my body. I wasn't there at all. And now that I'm sober and I've come back to it, I have such an appreciation for it and like a peace with my body. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe in a couple years after, 
you know, sobriety is not quite as fresh, maybe some of the hypochondria will come back. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not going to discount that. But in, in many ways, it's sort of like I have faced something very serious because, you know, if I had kept going, like, this is life-threatening. I've seen what happens to family members when, when drinking goes unchecked and the health complications and the health um, consequences that that has. So I don't know if one day I'm going to be at the doctor again and he's going to be writing me a prescription that says, please get the fuck off WebMD. But for now, I'm just enjoying having my health, being sober, and living la vida loca, you know? And on that note, it's now time for... It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sobriety. I am super excited to share that I will be um, a guest on Chatty Broads this coming Tuesday with Becca and Jess. Jess is someone who I basically cold emailed one day. I'd been a big fan of the podcast and I I cold emailed her and we we talk about this a little bit in the beginning, but I I, I basically was like, hey, we both think Mark Marin is hot. Um, I can hook you up with some skincare products. Like, do you want to be friends? To my shock, she was like, yeah. And so we've, you know, kind of started this friendship. She's so wonderful. And I was so, so honored and um, excited to just be asked to come on to a podcast that I'm a genuine fan of and a podcast that I listened to during early sobriety and when I when I was lonely and when I felt like I had fucked up friendships and at points in my life where I thought, can I repair damage that has been done? Can I repair damage I've done? It was it was very weird to like be suddenly in the podcast that I have listened to and has uh, provided me with so much comfort throughout, you know, the years. How, how long has it been going? Throughout at least a couple, at least, I mean, definitely a year, probably more than that, two years, three years. It was it was a surreal experience to just then be in the studio and be like, oh, my God, it, it's like it's like stepping into the TV show you watch all the time. And you're like, what the fuck is this real life? And um, I'm just really excited for it. I hope I don't sound like too much of an idiot and I don't say like too much, even though I know I say like every like second. But whatever. I'm not a linguini expert. I'm not a linguist. OK, it was just a really meaningful and awesome Uh, moment that absolutely is my pink cloud and probably will be my pink cloud of the year so with that thank you so much for tuning in like i said there will be a new episode on monday uh you can leave a rating review say hey ho let's go um turn the lights off carry me home i'm gonna um, no i think i just combined two songs it's time for me to go it's it's been one of those days all right love you all thank you so much for listening and i will talk to you soon bye everyone (laughs) 